The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. LinkedIn News. What's in your manifesto? Hey, everyone. From LinkedIn News, this is In the Arena, a podcast exploring human potential. I'm Leah Smart, and every week you'll find me right here in conversation with bright minds and brave hearts, learning how we can improve our lives and our world by transforming ourselves. So last month, I was given a copy of Charlotte Burgess Auburn's new book, You Need a Manifesto, How to Craft Your Convictions and Put Them to Work. So, of course, you won't be surprised. The title resonated with me deeply, and I knew I had to share her work with all of you. Charlotte's coming at this from a little bit of a different lens. It's more artistic. She's a professor at Stanford's D School, which is also known as the Design School, where she teaches students, humans from all walks of life and disciplines how to harness their personal values and ideas and actually put it into a usable framework they can walk out into the world with. A manifesto. Now, manifesto can be kind of charged, and I have to be honest, I felt charged by it, but Charlotte's trying to reclaim it. And I want to tell you what she says in the intro to her book about manifestos. Manifestos have been a tool for recruiting people to collective causes, political, religious, or artistic. But in this age, where it seems like everyone is being recruited by everyone else every moment of the day, you need a way to recruit yourself to your own cause, a method for collecting and considering your own power to create and to make positive change in a world that sorely needs it. A modern manifesto is a statement of purpose and a script for action that will allow you, as a citizen of the creative world, to recruit yourself to your own cause, navigate bravely, and share your unique position with others. Now, I really did intend to create my own manifesto before I sat down with Charlotte, but, well, I'll share with you the confession I shared with her. When I started thinking about putting it together, I was like, oh, my gosh, that I felt pressure. Like I was was pressuring myself to, like, perform well in how it was done. Like, and even your book is playful, right? Like, it's designed well. There's shapes and colors and, like, you know, it's fun to look at. And and at the same time, I was like, if I have to do it, then I have to, like, I better perform well at this. Like, I better get Like, I have to make the best manifesto ever. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) No, everybody has that problem. So if you're intimidated by the idea of, creating a personal manifesto, don't worry, you're definitely not alone. I'm a perfectionist too. I love to perform, but remember, it doesn't have to be perfect. It just has to be yours. With that, Charlotte is going to help us walk through the steps to creating your own personal manifesto. Step one, commence. And lucky you, we've already started. Step two, consider. Step three, collect. Step four, curate. And step five, cultivate. We're going to get to all of these over the rest of the episode, but let's start by backing way up. Of course, I want to know why is Charlotte drawn to this work of personal principles? The point for me about all of this work Mm -hmm. is that it's practical and that it's about really trying to apply things to your work and to your life rather than the sort of like big think ideas. There's two pieces that I think have driven it. One has to do with my personal goals and values, and one has to do with some of the struggles I've seen students go through. 
personally speaking, like I have had experiences in my life of loss that have been really profound that kind of destabilized me in a way that I found myself really kind of struggling to find, to find my way forward. But then I finally was like, okay, I'm going to take this on as like a project Mm -hmm. essentially to figure out how to decide what is important to me and how to navigate in the world when the world comes at you. That led to me when I was at Stanford, spending time with students who were having this deliberate experience of transformation, especially graduate students. You know, you come back to graduate school to have a transformative moment, right? You are opting into learning, you're opting into Mm -hmm. change. And they would come and then be a little bit lost as to how to do that. Um, And also a little bit worried that maybe they weren't going to do that, right? That it wasn't going to happen for them. And they were also in the middle of situations where like the world is changing faster than they could really see and understand. And so this started as an exercise for students in a class to help them just literally begin. (laughs) So the hardest part, Mm -hmm. I think, you know, it's easy to hear from and be inspired by people with really great ideas about how to navigate your life. But it is hard as an individual to begin to do that for yourself. Like, how do you get over the difficulty of starting? I love that you say that this is how to navigate when the world comes at you. Um, I so relate to that experience. I think we all can to some moment when we've had, you know, loss or confusion or a shakeup or like a life quake. Most of us don't spend a whole lot of time figuring out what our North Star is. And so this idea of a manifesto makes me think about, you know, what what we talk about at the end of every episode, which is, you know, better humans, better work, better world. And like, God, a better world has better navigators, people who are better at navigating when the world comes at us, because that would change how we behave, how we think, how we act, and I think our future collectively even if we do it at the individual level. Yeah. I love that word you use, life quake, right? Like the idea of like when when a life Mm. quake happens, when there's an emergency, like you should have an emergency plan. (laughs) You know, like you should have like a, but you can't know what that's going to be, right? And so your emergency plan can't be as easy as a go bag. You know, what I say in the Mm -hmm. book is like a manifesto is not a map to the future. It is a compass for the present, right? So it's not the thing that's going to tell you Mm -hmm. where to go Mm -hmm. and solve all your problems and live your life for you. It is a way for you to articulate what you believe right now in this moment and hopefully a a tool Mm -hmm. for learning your way into the future, learning the new things that you will believe, the new paths you want to, you want to take, right? Mm -hmm. If it's only ever in your head, And in your like conversations with your friends, right? It's not specific or concrete enough for you to work with in moments that are actually really difficult. Mm-hmm. Well, and so you're leading to like this idea that I'm I'm curious for you to give the listeners, which is um, what makes a really strong manifesto. And so I've heard it you say a couple things, yeah. but what makes a strong manifesto and like. When you've seen it done really well, what has it done for people who have undergone these, as Bruce Feiler calls them, life quakes? Yeah, I think a strong manifesto is usually short, (laughs) right? 
and easy to absorb. Mm. It allows you to like quick access to ideas and beliefs and values that you hold. Some of the more like exciting and wonderful manifestos that I think people have put out they are these wonderful short, like top 10 lists, like boiling stuff down that help you to like pinpoint things that are <laughs> critical and important to you. I think if you get too big, it gets too cloudy and um, too lost. There is some middle ground, I think, between, you know, too big and too small, right? And there's a sweet spot in there. It's going to be different for every person, but like you're going to know it. Okay, so like I said, the first step is to commence the process. And we've already done that, right? We've begun. We're thinking inward. And there's another step before we even really get started. It's to consider. So I asked Charlotte why we need the consideration piece and what exactly she means by that. The two main pieces are collecting and curating, right? Like that's just a loop you're going to do over and over. But before you do collecting, I want you to consider your position in the world. And that means really spending a little time examining what your goals might be, what your values are, discovering what your values are and interrogating them and opening up yourself to understand your bias. Hmm. Because in the, the next phase of that, right, where we're doing a lot of beautiful collecting of wisdom and inspiration from everybody else in the world who's done this incredible work to understand how you should navigate your life and written it down for you so that you can have it. You're going to be using intuitive processes to understand like what matters to you. And if you haven't examined your bias, you might not understand where those intuitive processes are coming from. That first piece is just preparation for yourself. It's like getting in touch with your own understanding of yourself right now, right? The main exercise of the book is about collecting wisdom and inspiration from elsewhere. And people who make vision boards do this all the time, right? So they, they are looking mm -hmm. out there in the world for really interesting statements, pieces of wisdom, visual clues that help connect them to bigger ideas. I look for, too, when I'm thinking about visioning, I look for where I'm envious of someone. And I know that sounds interesting or weird for some people. They go, wait a minute, you're not supposed to feel envy. And if you do, it's not OK. But <laughs> I look at it as a clue. Like, I look at it as we're talking about a map and a compass. Mm -hmm. If I feel that envy in a place that I know isn't my insecurity, but my real, like, desire or my sense of power, I go, oh, OK, there's something there that I want and that I want to create. And let's figure out what it is yeah. versus like, like I said, you know, the red car or the big apartment or the big house or the family, whatever. For sure. I mean, exactly what you've done right there is, is one of the exercises that I ask people to do in the book around mm -hmm. determining what their values are. Right. So mm -hmm. one of the exercises is called my love is like a red, red rose. Right. And I just have people do a mm -hmm. kind of word map of like, Tell me a story of something that you love. And in your case, you're like, what am I envious of? And then go back in and identify why is that activity the thing that you are envious of? Describe that a little bit more. Go in and look for the words and then extrapolate from that forward, right? What if you turn mm -hmm. that into a goal? What would that look like for you mm -hmm. to help you kind of like vision out, see out what you're looking for? And then when you know that, you run across opportunities or moments in life 
You can be like, mm-hmm. yes, that's one of the ones I want. I'm, I was looking for that. <laughs> right? Yes. Right? Yes. <laughs> so that little exercise helps you identify the opportunities that are going to be ones that are more likely to pan out in the way that you're excited about. You know, it's it's interesting when I'm coaching people and I coach people around how to build their own values, you'll ask people what their values are. And there's, you know, we all have those lists of like mm-hmm. values that are kind of like the slap it on the page values. And you can pull things from it. But in reality, I think most people uh, want to kind of mold them in a way that fits to them, right? Mm-hmm. Like integrity can mean something in the dictionary that it doesn't mean to me or to you. And that's yeah. okay in the way that we define it in this space, right? Because mm-hmm. we're just talking about you and your your journey and how you navigate But also, like, I love this question. If a scientist were to come from another planet and observe you for uh, 12 months and then they were to go home to their home planet and say, all right, what does Charlotte value? What Mm -hmm. are the two top values she has? What would they say? Mm -hmm. And like that, I think the idea of um, you being observed for your behavior and how you show up for 12 months puts into perspective perhaps what you do value that you're not be you're not acting in accordance with Mm -hmm. and so there's sort of this contrast of like when I know what I don't want I know what I do want so if you know for example I love my work but I am a workaholic and they would say I valued work more than anything else I could look and go wait a minute that's not the value and then you can ask someone well then what is it it's Mm -hmm. like oh well actually it's balance well what would that look like and then there's sort of that unfolding there too yeah I I mean I think So an observation of yourself is about collecting material, like information about your behavior, about what you do, that then you can extrapolate to what you value, right? Because honestly, Mm -hmm. like our actions are probably the biggest indicators of our values. We're going to take a short break. Now, remember, we're only just beginning to scratch the surface of creating your manifesto. We did the commence piece. We're in consideration. Those are both really important steps. But when we get back, we're going to actually collect, curate, and cultivate that manifesto. The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. In the last 100 years, we've seen financial markets swing, new currencies come and go, decades of savings lost in days, all showing that a retirement plan without a guarantee, quite simply, isn't enough. So more than a retirement plan, TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life, a promise that pays off. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. Hi, I'm Tomer Korn, LinkedIn's Chief Product Officer. On my podcast, Building One, we dive deep into what it takes to build great products. Recently, we had Zach Perret, the CEO of Plaid, and he shared about his struggles building a financial app for consumers and how he was able to turn it all around with a critical pivot. Take a listen. I personally couldn't resonate as much with the consumer set that we were trying to reach. I just didn't have that level of empathy. When we made the shift to building a B2B product though, I was building the product that I wanted. My co-founder and I were creating the product that we wanted ourselves and we had so much empathy for what that product was. Such a great insight. You know, in that sense, we got lucky because we were were creating a thing for ourselves. And then the people that we were talking to also had the same problems we did. They were fintech developers. We'd been a fintech developer. uh, We'd been trying to build a fintech product for a year. And so, we had such deep empathy. We had such a clear ability to... If you want to hear more of Zach Perret's story and the lessons that follow, listen and subscribe to my podcast, Building One. 
And we're back with Charlotte Burgess Auburn, artist and author of You Need a Manifesto. So if that's like the foundation for the manifesto, if it's understanding your goals, your values and your biases, Mm -hmm. can you take us quickly through like what is collect and what is curate for people listening? So collecting is really um, just, I mean, the way I do it is I head out into the Internet and I look for things that inspire me or I go to the library and I look for books that are exciting and I, I save them. Right. I just I collect things as I go along that are interesting to me, exciting to me, that resonate with me and I hang on to them and Mm. I don't worry too much about deciding exactly which pieces I'm going to grab. But I I just want to hold them. Right. I want to keep them with me because I feel like they have good advice for me. And that's what I call my raw material. Right. Mm -hmm. And then during the exercise, I have people look through their raw material with a pair of scissors in their hand and see whether or not any of these statements resonate with them. Mm. And that resonance is a really good indicator that your values are activated in some way, right? It's a thing that you're like, I need to get underneath that statement. I want to hang on to that thing. I think that one's important. Or I deeply disagree with that statement. And that's important for me to understand because I want to understand why, right? Um, And I have them cut them out, literally, like with their scissors, and make a little pile of statements that have resonated with me in front front of them. And then I give them a canvas of some sort, whether it's just an extra piece of paper or a piece of cardboard from their recycling bin, um, and a glue stick. And I ask them to begin to create frameworks from it to consider what are some types of frameworks that might work for you as an individual. You know, if you look out there at manifestos, there's some wonderful ones that are sort of like word, art, word clouds, right? They're sort of like pieced together Mm -hmm. beautifully. There are top 10 lists of all kinds. There are just like series of statements. I've seen flip books. So there's like a theoretical framework for it. Like how big do you want it to be? How much do you want to include? What's important for you? Right. Um, And then there's kind of like the medium piece, like how is it going to show up in your life? My friend Grace has a beautiful tattoo that just says, it's on her fingers, and it says, make art. So that every time she sees it, (laughs) every time she's doing something and she looks at her hand, she has like this thing that's telling her to make art. And is that part where we're thinking about the medium after we've kind of gone through and said like, yes, I resonate, my values are here. Mm -hmm. Is that medium part, is that the curate piece or is there something additional in curate that we'd need to do? It's nice if you have the time to put a little bit of room between the collecting and the curating piece, right? So to like collect these statements and then to let them steep a little bit, right? To let them speak to you, then the curate piece becomes, I would say, a lot easier, right? Because you have some ideas about how you might want to put them together. Mm -hmm. Um, And then... The main piece of curating is figuring out what form you want it to take, what, how you want it to show up in your life, right? Is it audio snippets that, you know, every time you open your phone, it plays for you? Um, Do you want to, um, do you want it to be something physical and visual, right? Or is it something that's virtual that shows up in your digital devices? I don't know the answer to that. Everyone has their own individual answer to that. What have you seen as a result of someone creating a manifesto? Mm -hmm. Like, what are the things that come out of this? So 
There are a lot of ways that a manifesto can be used, but I think some of the most successful are when people take a risk that they wouldn't have taken otherwise, that might have been difficult for them to do if they hadn't articulated for themselves how much they care about it, mm-hmm. right? So taking a job that is not necessarily going to be as well-paying as other jobs that they could be doing, but it's something that they truly believe in. And they know that that is the place to start making the change in the world that they want to see. That's an exciting moment to see um, because it doesn't mean they won't end up in a place that is like successful in all the other ways that they think are important, right? But if they can start in a moment that's like, actually, I'm going to start in the place that really matters to me. And I know it's going to be hard, but I'm ready to weather it um, because of that feels really, it's like so gratifying to see that, to see that happen. Yeah. I mean, the other piece is managing adversity, right? So those Mm -hmm. life quakes, right? Like Mm -hmm. holding your ground when you come across something in the work you're doing or the world you're living in that is not right and you need to resist it or you need to change it. It's not easy to do. And I think that a personal manifesto can really help you to not turn away from that discomfort Mm. and instead stick to your ground, right? Hold your Mm -hmm. ground and make change in the ways you think are important. The last thing Charlotte told me speaks to the fifth step of manifesto creation, cultivate. In her book, she suggests taking your manifesto momentum outward and using it as a framework to constantly be learning. I love to watch people synthesize their learning, right? Mm -hmm. Actively processing things that you are learning, stuff that has challenged you, right? Or ideas that you have come across that seem extraordinarily useful and new to you. Having a deliberate methodology for synthesizing those into the things that you believe, it's a terrific thing to have, right? So if you have a methodology already for adding to your manifesto, right? Then you can take these learning experiences and be like, all right, where are we editing today? Because it allows you to externalize that process. It just takes it out of your head and puts it on a piece of paper and allows you to actually have a conversation essentially with yourself. Yeah. It feels like a sort of, I, you know, when I do create one, um, which I definitely will, and and I normally take some time off towards the end of the year. So this is something I think I'll be thinking more about, um, is, is being able to get into this space where I can um, process what I've experienced and also plan ahead, I suppose, for the things that I'm hoping to experience and hoping to create. So it feels like this is one of those one of those opportunities to do that. Um, And so with that, I I have three statements I'd love for you to complete, Charlotte. Mm -hmm. Um, The first is better humans are. Better humans are aware of their own values better work is better work is where you can be yourself and a better world has a better world has your manifesto in it oof love that (laughs) Um, with that thank you so much charlotte for joining i i'm excited to put my own together and hopefully for listeners this is a an interesting thing for you to tackle to figure out how to navigate when the world comes at you yeah so thank you for being here thanks That was artist, educator, and author of the book, You Need a Manifesto, Charlotte Burgess Auburn. 
One big thing before we go. Whether you call it a manifesto, a creed, rules to live by, a mission statement, whatever form it takes, what we're really talking about here is choosing how you want to guide your thoughts and actions. So that when something shows up, when something happens you're not prepared for, when the rubber really meets the road, you can come back to your own set of guiding principles. Let them be a mix of what you've experienced. Maybe let them be what you've admired in others and let them change. But make sure no matter what, they're about how you want to show up, at least for now. If this episode got you fired up to build your own manifesto, share it and do your five C's with someone else. Also, help other people like you find our show by leaving us a rating before you go. Even better, write a one-sentence review telling me one value from your new manifesto. And as always, you can find me on LinkedIn, writing about human potential and meaningful living. In the Arena is a production of LinkedIn News. The show is produced by Michelle O'Brien. Special thanks to Scott Ulster. Joe DeGiorgi mixed our show. Florencia Iriando is head of original audio and video. Dave Pond is head of news production. Dan Roth is the editor-in-chief of LinkedIn. And I'm Leah Smart. Thanks for coming on the journey with me, and I'll see you next week.